The haves have always given the have-nots a hard time. Don't think that we invented that. That's why, however, that laws and guidelines were put in place in Israel and Judah specifically for the protection of the poor. One of the most effective laws permitted something that is called gleaning. This is lost on our society today. We who are so much driven by industry rather than agriculture, but even our agriculture, which is driven by industry, has forgotten what it means to allow for gleaning. Mess with somebody else's crops, they will come get you. Because it doesn't fit into our idea of what should be. Just because there was a law to help care for the poor in the day and age of this story of the telling of Ruth's life, it did not mean that people liked it. It may be that that sounds familiar to you. Just because there was a law to help care for the poor did not mean that people liked the law. As I have said, the haves have always given the have-nots a hard time. A seventh grader was here last week with us. Some of you were present in this place and... Remember that we started the story of Ruth. It really was the story of Naomi, which gave way to the story of Ruth. Um, A seventh grader who came out of the sanctuary spoke to me at the door before she left with her family. They were visiting with us uh, from Savannah um, in the context of our celebration of All Saints Day. Uh, They were here She looked at me and she said, it's a cliffhanger. (laughs) And I thought, praise the Lord, she was listening to the sermon. What, what, What other seventh grader would be listening so intently? It's a cliffhanger. And she turned to her parents. She said, are we going to be here next week? And they looked at her and and looked at me and they said, no, we're not going to be here, but we'll listen online. So maybe they're catching it right now. You remember where we were, don't you? Naomi had gone because it was a famine. She had gone with her husband and her two sons to Moab, which was on the eastern side of the Dead Sea. It was a forbidden country. It was, it was a place you do not go except in your gravest need. And so they went there because there was no food in Bethlehem. When they got to Moab, terrible circumstances developed in Naomi's life. Her husband died. Later on, after her sons had taken wives in that area, they too died. And so she was left by herself. Were it not for her daughters-in-law, she would have been completely destitute. In conversation with her daughters-in-law, she encouraged them to stay where they were. They were near relatives. She was going back to her home in Bethlehem. 
you remember that Ruth would have none of that. Finally, Ruth spoke to her and said, don't ask me to leave you. Wherever you go, I will go. Whatever place is yours, that is my place. Whatever people are yours, those are my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you go to die, I go to die. That's an enormous commitment. Ruth found her sense of community with her mother-in-law. And here we are in Bethlehem with these two women so attached to each other out of a sense of dread of being alone in their poverty. These two have-nots amidst the haves. There was no provision for them. This is one thing that was really not written in any specificity into the law. Even though there was instruction to care for widows. It was happenstance at best. The way in which people provided for them. Ruth knows that she's got to do something for the two of them to survive. And so seeing the opportunity and perhaps having been told of the law by Naomi, coaching her in the faith, she walks to a farm on the outskirts of Bethlehem and begins gleaning, begins picking what leftover barley there might be to pick up after the harvesters have come through. It disturbs me. I ride down the road and I see, I see fields of cotton that have been harvested. And I think to myself, they didn't get it very good. Have you seen what's there? Little tufts of white everywhere. And so I have asked farmers about this and they have corrected me. They have said, you go out there and see if we didn't get it. What you find will be precious and very little. Because our intention is to get it all. There's very little left behind. As was the case in this day of Ruth. And yet she went to get just enough to live on. To pick up the grain. In fact she would thresh it herself. In order to gain what was there. When the owner of the farm came through. And saw her out there in the field. He asked who she was. Because she knew. He knew that she was new. Now the other women who were there. Harvesting the field. Had watched her. Perhaps askew. And certainly the men who were in charge, they were the overseers of the other workers out in the field, were looking, they were looking in not so good ways at all at Ruth as the night came on. Boaz warned them to keep their distance. And in fact, even more so, 
Boaz told the overseers, allow her to glean as much as she wants in this field. And in fact, when you get up close to the bundles of grain, you pull out from the bundle of grain and leave it there in the field for her to come and find. It was an incredible blessing. Ruth didn't know what was going on. She was out there gleaning probably for the first time in her life. She was gathering the grain But Naomi picked up on this because when she came home at the end of the day and showed her what she had been able to gather, it was incredible in Naomi's eyes. And she knew that someone had befriended her. Who was it? Boaz is his name, Ruth said. And Naomi lifted up her hands to praise God. Blessing of blessing. This second cousin once removed, Boaz. A blessing from God on Naomi and Ruth. Do you look for blessings in small ways? You and I may expect too much from life so that it is difficult for us to see how important small blessings are for those who nearly have nothing. What a blessing. God is taking care of us. Boaz understands our need. Naomi said, God bless Boaz. When the harvest came in, the threshing floor came alive with activity. Everyone came to assist or at least just to watch what was going on. Boaz was there. He wouldn't have been anywhere else. It was a celebration. Ladies from the village brought covered dish. (laughs) The threshing floor was a great place to be at the harvest. And Naomi saw her opportunity. And so she hatched a plan. Like a scene from the musical Oklahoma, she helps Ruth get all gussied up to go to the dance. There was no dance, in fact, but she was bathed and put on her best clothes and even adorned with perfume. When she went seeking Boaz. Naomi had guessed what the scene might be. When he lies down. You will find him. And surely enough. Boaz was dozing in the corner on this cold evening. Shivering under the cover of his cloak. 
Who knows exactly what was going on in Ruth's mind, and I won't even get into the euphemisms of all of this, but the, the playfulness of Ruth to uncover his feet, <laughs> to allow him to get colder, startled him. Who is this here? And her words were a proposal in marriage. How dare she take the authority? He's the owner of the farm. She's the gleaner. She says, put your cloak over me. Precious are you, child, as he embraced the idea of spending the rest of his days with this woman. The details are left to our imagination, but you hear this, don't you? Even though God's voice is not spoken anywhere in the telling of this story of Ruth, you hear God everywhere. May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. Boaz immediately sets into work the angles that he needed to play in order to make sure that this happened the way that Ruth wanted and he wanted too. He knew that there was one who was an even closer relative who would have first choice in this matter. But he didn't know as much as Boaz knew. In fact, Naomi probably did not know as much as Boaz knew. I'm not sure she was even aware that her dead husband actually had a small parcel of land in Bethlehem. So that when Boaz engages in conversation on the street, the one who might claim ownership, first ownership, he says to him, I'll buy the land, or maybe you want the land. The man says, I think I do want the land. And Boaz springs the trap and says, Of course, it's wonderful land, but you know that if you buy the land, you also get the ones to whom the land is attached. You will be responsible for Naomi and Ruth. The man took his hands away and said, I can't afford this land. (laughs) And there were those witnesses that heard Boaz say, I think I've heard you correctly. You're giving up your rights to the land. The man said, why, yes, you have heard. And Boaz says, may it also be heard that this day I purchased the land and that my responsibilities are with me for life. Boaz saw it as an opportunity. Blessings all around as far as he was concerned. All around for those 
who will live in God's grace. Several thoughts as I reflect on this story. I am grateful for the resourcefulness of these women of faith. Have you had women of faith at work in your life? I know in our family that we would not have survived had it not been for the women of faith. And I'm saying that in front of my father who's sitting here in the congregation today. It is the women of faith that have carried us in such beautiful ways. Their connections with each other. And I know you well enough to know that you too have been blessed in this same way. Second thing that I observe is that God is on the side of those who are marginalized. Not that God isn't on the side of those who are at the center of culture and the center of life as well. But in this story, it is so clear that God cares for those who have nothing that are in dire circumstances. And these women are at the very central part of his vision as he looks with love toward making things right. Another thought that comes to my mind is that it is incredibly important for us to honor the humanity of every person. Boaz and Ruth got married and they had a son whose name was Obed who was the great-grandfather of King David. Who knows whose great-grandmother we may be helping today that have not who is in great need. It is important for us to honor the humanity of every person because God honors the humanity of every person. A final thought is that this is the way of Jesus and the reason that we are here. Jesus is always welcoming others and particularly puts himself in situations where he could be accused of stepping outside of the cultural boundaries and certainly was as he engaged in conversation with those who were marginalized in his day. The woman at the well was not just a woman with whom he spoke, but she was a Samaritan woman, the disciples reminded him. The woman who reached out to touch the hem of his garment was an untouchable woman herself because of her situation. 
And yet she got his full attention as he turned to heal her. The women who followed him to the point of his death and even to the tomb. Remember, it was the women. It was the women who showed up there. Was it not Mary Magdalene who heard her Lord speak her name? And she knew no one else could say it like that. She knew it was Jesus. In all of these situations, we're called to remember that if we follow Christ, we must act as Christ. Embracing the idea that in this day and age, the most incredibly revolutionary thing that could ever occur would be that the haves really do care for the have-nots. Because it is a blessing not only for the have-nots, but it is a blessing for the haves as well. As we come to the close of worship together, we'll have an opportunity to share in another beautiful hymn. And as we sing together these verses, I want to open this altar for you to come and to kneel here in this place. Certainly we want to invite any who have never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ and to be a part of the company of those that count him Lord to come and to make that decision today. But we also invite those who may simply wish to lift up a a prayer in thankfulness for the women of faith who have blessed your life. This altar is open as we share together in singing. Lee, would you come and lead us?